Who wants, tell you, who wants a pot of coffee? I just made coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike, and today I get to interview a special guest, someone who I just recently found online and loved his story and really wanted a chance to bring him on here to share that story because he's, he's definitely one of those success stories that people like hearing. He's also proof of the pudding that putting in the right kind of work, not just hard work, really gets you to where you want to get to. It takes a lot of dedication, persistency, consistency, and this man is a clear example. His name is Ziad Abdelnour. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Okay. He is the founder and president and CEO of Blackhawk Partners, a private family office, a business of originating, structuring, and acting as equity investor in strategic corporate investments. And he's a co-founder of Blackhawk Development Group trading platform focusing on the financing of real estate, infrastructure, and project finance properties throughout the U.S. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, he's the chairman of the advisory board of Hawkstrom Global, Hawk Storm Global. Uh, it's a business specializing in providing a wide array of elite services, ranging from emergency response and asset protection to security consulting and risk assessment. The list of guys that he's got there it's a big deal. If you guys want to learn more about him, please drop off at blackhawkpartners.com and just look for his profile under the About Us. There's a lot to read here, but I really want him to share his story. So, yeah, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming in. My pleasure, Mike. Awesome. Let's, let's start with this question. I start this with everybody. What would be, because you're in the business realm, what would be the biggest piece of advice you can give to somebody who's thinking about starting a company? as an entrepreneur or as somebody who just wants to start a brick and mortar? Well, uh, business for me is war. It's not a walk in the park. It's not a hobby. That's true. It's not for people who say TGIF, now the weekend is here. It's not. Agreed. And to win wars, there's one key ingredient you need. It's not how smart you are. Lots of smart people out there. Mm -hmm. It's not how big is your balance sheet. Lots mm -hmm. of people with money. Mm -hmm. It is one thing only. You have to gather intelligence second to none. On your market, on your competition, on everything. And most people don't do that. They're too lazy to do that. Or they, their ego is too big. Or they think they're too smart. Like the classic example, I have no competition. Who's the moron who say I have no competition? This already is a loser, this guy. So, you know, don't underestimate the competition. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate the terrain. Do your homework. That's how you win. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Give you an example. We went to war in Iraq. Yeah. We didn't have the right intel. We spent $6 trillion, lost 
I don't know how many thousand lives. Yeah, quite a bit. Same thing applies in business. Same thing applies in business. People are too cocky, are too confident. They don't do their homework and they crash and burn. Yeah. This is why 90% of the startups fail. That's true. It's interesting. You, you remind me of the book, The Art of War by Sun yeah. Tzu. And he, ex he expressly says the general that wins is the one who's got the most intel. Yep. He knows and they... that's why, by the way, I written a similar book, Economic Warfare, back in 2012, which is the, the modern version of The Art of War. Ooh, I'm grabbing yep. that. Yep. You can find it on Amazon, Mike. It's called Economic Warfare. We'll make sure that that's down in the, in the comments so everybody can grab a copy of that too. Yeah, yeah. So it discusses this in detail applied to today's business world. You know, out of, out of war was written like 500 years ago. Yeah. By a guy who ended up disappearing once he finally figured out he raised a small army that was just too good for its own good. <laughs> yeah. I really think that's the key ingredient in business. That makes Number a lot of one. sense. That makes a lot of sense. And your, your whole thing, you, you came, you're, you're an immigrant, right? Yeah, legal immigrant. Legal yep, immigrant. Legal, thank you, legal immigrant. Where did, so what's your story? Where'd you come from? How, how'd you get here? I, uh, I come from Lebanon. Okay. I, I hail from a very big political and business family in Lebanon. My uncle, my dad, basically have been in politics in Lebanon, in the government, in the Senate, in the Congress, for 40 consecutive years. Wow. Yeah. Then they got tired of it, and they expected me to take over. I said, no. <laughs> Lebanon is too small for me. But that's not the reason. The reason I left is because uh, of the situation there. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. Uh, raised in an environment where there was increasing hatred. Mm. There's a terrorist organization called Hezbollah who took over the yeah. country. Yeah. Still in power. Yeah. Proxies of Iran. Proxies of Iran. My family wanted to basically sign a peace treaty with Israel. This was back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. To have Lebanon as the second country in the Middle East after Egypt to sign a peace treaty with Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, the Islamists in power, Hezbollah, I mean, uh, didn't like it. Yeah. Long story. Yeah. I said, this country is not for me because I am very opinionated. I don't give a rat's ass about people's feelings, opinions. Mm -hmm. I said, if I stay there, I'm going to be killed, literally. Yeah, I can like see that. Like a lot of my friends got killed, assassinated in car bombs oh, because no. they stated their opinions. So I wow. said, let me go and fight my, let, let me go to the United States, build a fortune. I'm talking about fuck you money and say whatever I want mm -hmm. and be an activist for Lebanon, for the United States, meaning promote capitalism, mm -hmm. promote opportunities, wealth creation, etc. Yeah. You know, in my high school, high school years, uh -huh. you know, when you graduate, you have the high school, high school yearbook. Yeah. You know, where people 
you know, there's a little yep. statement under each. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this was in Lebanon. And the students basically put a small code under each photo. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I was going to be in the United States then. There was no war in Lebanon, civil war then. Mm -hmm. And the code under, under my name was, which they chose for me, I'd rather be on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, Mike. That's awesome. It's, I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's something I could have, I, then I was saying, what's Fifth Avenue? What, what is this? <laughs> no idea. Funny, but how sometimes, you know, people see you like this. I was a very poor American, pro-Western, from the start. I come from a political family, as I told you, we are Catholic. A lot of people said in Lebanon, although we don't have the same views, we were like the Kennedys of Lebanon. Mm. My brothers went to all Ivy League degrees. I got Ivy League degrees. My dad went to Oxford. Mm -hmm. My mother's name is Rose, like Rose Kennedy. Nice. So there was a lot of similarities you know, in the way we think. So, you know what? My father, unlike many others, raises us to think very much to have as role models American people, mm -hmm. not local or regional people from the Middle East. So, why can't I say that's another reason, you know, all these reasons together, the civil war, my upbringing, you know, Lebanon being too small yeah. uh, for what I wanted to do, made me come to the United States. When you got here, what'd you find? Shocked. I bet. Especially, especially New York City. I bet. You know, that was, that was, but I was lucky also because, because I came in the early 80s mm -hmm. when Reagan was in power. Yeah. Start of the bull market. Mm -hmm. So I came in an area in a timing where there was prosperity. If I came today, this would have been even, what the hell is that? Yeah, yeah. Given what's happening today. Yep. So I was very lucky. Started the bull market in 82. Reagan was in power, all capitalism. So I was nurtured in this environment. But I was shocked because, you know, New York, the way Americans think, uh, very different. I was going to say, decidedly like, different, huh? From, yep. from the rest of the world. Yep. You know, and I was, I'm not uh, also used to, uh, I, I wasn't used to a lot of things, but I adapted very quickly. Mm -hmm. A lot of my peers who come here, they stay within their community, the Lebanese community in America, uh -huh. which is big. Yes, I yes don't. it is. I don't. I melted very quickly within the system to get the system. I said, if I want to get somewhere, I have to totally assimilate. I didn't change my name to Abnor. Like I have a couple of guys, relatives, senators who came, who became, they changed the last name from Abdelnor to Abnor, A-B-D-N-O-R. I didn't change my name, neither my first name. Because I said, if I work on Wall Street, how many Ziads are there on Wall Street? There can't be any besides you. Exactly. So this is what, I mean, stay true to yourself and yeah. me. Yeah. You know, I assimilated, but kept some of the, you know, basics from Lebanon. Sure. So it was, uh, it was, it was 
a shock. But, you know, I realized that New York is very tough, very competitive, very capitalistic, and I'm going to have to be much tougher. So I adapted very quickly. I developed an incredible network, hard work, relentlessness. I am relentless. I mean, I am truly relentless. I think this is one of the traits for a successful entrepreneur or corporate guy. You've got to be absolutely relentless. You have to know your goal. You have to equip yourself with the proper intel. You have to surround yourself with people at least as smart as you because at the end of the day, you become the average of the five people closest to you. Yep. So if you surround yourself with idiots, you're going to be an idiot. And if you surround yourself with people who are smart, competitive, wealthy, networking, you're going to rise to their standards. Absolutely. Your network is your net worth. So, and, and I worked, uh, the first job I had, and the only job I ever had, so I was in my 20s, I worked for Drexel Burnham, Michael wow. Milken. Wow. Yeah. I worked for Michael Milken for six years at Drexel Burnham, both in uh, Beverly Hills and New York City. How was that? Sell, selling, uh, this was the best job I ever had, and the only job. Selling and trading junk bonds, leverage buyouts, corporate takeovers, hostile takeovers. I mean, this was the essence of the 80s. Yeah, it was. I remember that. It was the 80s, basically. I'm sure you, you lived it. Yep, I did. Yep. So I, I, I was at the heart of it, really, for six years. And that's where I learned finance. I really consider, in the last century, the two biggest financiers of last century were J.P. Morgan at the turn of the century and Mike Macon at the end of the century. I was lucky enough to work for one of them for six years, mm -hmm. which really, I really learned finance there from the best, from the absolute was, best. I bet it was really eye-opening. It was like, <laughs> I was so lucky. I mean, I was so lucky because, you know, on that desk, I was the only immigrant, number one. Oh, okay. I was very lucky. Uh, but, but I got to know how they think. This is why they took me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I knew, I, I, knew I, I, I pretty much quickly adapted. And I got, you know, I became very successful. And after the demise of Drexel Burnham, I decided never to work anymore for any company, ever. Because if the U.S. government could put the most capitalistic company in the world, Drexel Burnham, out of business, they could put anyone out of business. Yeah. And I want to control my fate. I don't want to work for anyone. This is why I stood, I started my first investment bank, sold it in 97, started an internet incubator in 97, cashed out in 2000, started Blackhawk Quarter. So I became a serial entrepreneur, nice. financing nice. companies. At the end of the day, the cement of everything is finance, is money. Yeah. Especially today, everybody needs money. Yeah. So people tell me, how's your business? My business is booming because everybody needs money. So I pick and choose. So at the end of the day, and you know, I back the smartest people who have a track record and who have skin in the game. 
I have zero respect for people who have no skin in the game. I never listen to economists, professors, lawyers. They pontificate. They have zero skin in the game. No respect. They can pontificate as much as they can. They take no risks. They have no skin in the game. I don't listen to these people. I listen to people with skin in the game with a track record. And these are the people I back. So over my career, I backed over 125 companies. Wow. And invested and raised over $20 billion Jeez. in these companies. From early stage, early stage companies, from startups mm-hmm. to early stage companies to real big leverage buyouts in the billions. So I got to see the whole spectrum. And I got also to understand better human nature. Because at the end of the day, when people ask me, what companies do you invest into? What companies do you back? I don't I don't invest in themes, in companies. I invest in people. And it doesn't take me, you know, throughout my 30s experience, mm-hmm. when I vet people, my friends, my partners tell me, it's like you're on steroids. You're so good at that. But seriously, I thought about people. No, that's cool. I, I, like the, I like the way you describe it. I can, I, can, I can vet somebody within five minutes and tell you how he, who he is and how he, how he is. I'll give you an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Small, typical example. So when I hire people at Blackhawk, uh-huh. what kind of people do I hire? You know, because it's really hiring in the, and the same thing with clients when I look at them. So, you know, everybody looks good on paper, on sure. resume. Yeah, I went to Harvard Business School. I worked here. I worked there. Doesn't mean squat. I asked them one question. And by the way, they before they meet my other partners, uh, etc. And by the way, they answer the question. I decide if I want to move forward with that individual or not. What is the question? Well, before you before you say what that question is, we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna have a message from our sponsor. We'll come yeah. right back. Leave them hanging. <laughs> Let's keep them engaged. I want to know what that question is because I, I, had a, I was with an angel investment group and I had to do those kinds of interviews too. So I, I would find this extremely valuable. Uh, guys, we'll be right back. Yep. Quick message and we'll, we'll continue this. All right. And we're back. We're here at Java Chat Coffee with Mike here with Ziad Abdel-Nur, CEO and founder of Black Hawk Partners. And he's been talking to us about his experiences and was relating um, how he is able to vet somebody very quickly using one question. And then I asked him to hold off so you guys wouldn't leave. <laughs> so you guys don't take off. This question I'm, I'm, I'm betting is extremely insightful. So if you would, what is that question? That question sounds for a lot of people stupid, but it's intended to be like that. My question is, what pisses you off? <laughs> I'll tell you why. All those people who answer the question as to what pissed them off are automatically out because they want to conform, they want to please the boss, they want to be politically correct and answer the question. And all those people who tell me, what is this question? Or better, what the hell is this question? Are the people... I listen to. These are the rebels. These are the mavericks. These are the people who challenge their boss. 
these are the people when you show them something stupid, they react, they don't conform. These are the people who do not conform. This is the people I want. I want the killers, the mavericks, the sharks, the rebels, the nonconformists. This is it when you are a Black Hawk, you're a killer. I can have a junior guy deal with a CEO, I don't have to be there, and he's gonna stand up to him and not take his shit and be impressed by his title or his name. I think a lot of people miss that too, Ziad, is that this, when you get into that level of business, you can't, it's, it's, not, it's not just like walking, it's not like this, we're sitting down having just a conversation over coffee, it's not like this. Yeah, it's, it's like you're going into an absolute battle. I mean, you might. Well, I be... said business is war. You remember my yeah, business yeah. is war. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, this is the quality of people. I'm the same thing with the entrepreneurs I back. I want killers. I don't want people to, oh, if, if there is a problem, oh my God, come back to me crying. Right. I want killers to take over. Whether the people I back, whether the people I hire, whether the people I deal with. Look, at the end of the day, there are three things that matter. And I learned this from my dad a long time ago, before I came to the United States. My dad was very successful entrepreneur. And my uncle too, really, really, I mean, built an amazing uh, legacy. So he told me, I'm gonna give you one advice, talking about advice, mm -hmm. huh? mm -hmm. which I took and I practiced. And this is why he let, let me hear, I think. I mean, among other things. So he told, he told me there are three things that really matter when you deal with people. All the rest is for the birds, is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Where they went to college, doesn't matter. Education they have, doesn't matter. Color, gender, sexual orientation, the way, doesn't matter. All this stuff is for the birds. This is all masks. Mm -hmm. You want to know to the, you want to <clears> go to <throat> the core, like the question. Yep. What are the three things that matter? I'll tell you what they are. And they are by equal importance. None of it, none of them is none of it is more important than the other. Number one, guts, balls. You don't want to deal with people who don't have guts and who don't have big balls. Because they're gonna pull you down. In in tough times, oh it's okay, Ziad. I know when people tell me it's okay. You have to understand, it's your fate, it's your destiny. This is bullshit. I don't want to hear this shit. Oh, it's okay, it will be okay. I don't want it will be okay. I want the people to tell me, wake the fuck up, go and do it. Yeah. And I'm here with you. Balls. Two, brains. If you have the balls and no brains, you're a loose cannon. <laughs> and you will... how, many, how many people have you and I met that are like that though? Exactly, loose yeah. cannon, and you're gonna implode. Yeah. implode. Yep. If you have the brains and no balls, even there is more people like this, you're a bureaucrat. Yeah. Who's yeah. pushing numbers, who's having a nice cushy job, pushing numbers, Friday comes TGIF, thank God it's Friday. He's going nowhere in life. Right. No balls, no nothing. So these are two, but you have to have them both. Yeah. And three, which is as important for me, which a lot of people unfortunately today have lost, is heart. 
compassion. We're not robots. We're human beings. Yep. You know, people with compassion, bones, brains, and heart, you are unstoppable. They are lethal. These are the people who succeed the most because people trust what they say, because people believe that they care. It's not just a transaction. Right. I care. And this is why I get those deals done away from the big boys because it's a personal relationship because I push them to do things. The big boys will not push them to do anything. They want to control them. Yeah. That's they true. want they want puppets. Yep. I don't want puppets. I want killers. Success is about empowering people. It is not about controlling people or clipping their wings. Right. Which a lot of people do on Wall Street. Well, it it's happens at the angel totally level too. It's a different style. It's a totally different style. Yeah, very much. It happens at the angel level too. We used to see the same thing a lot of times if we saw holes in potential projects that we're just going through proof of concept. We tell them you need to have certain things and we have the people we're going to put them in place. And I didn't always understand that. I mean, my thoughts were, okay, we can put people in place, but now we're controlling the concept. It's not really our dream. It's someone else's. Yeah. Are we supposed to be doing this? No. And I never got over that. No, you have to find the right people. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was my thought too. It, there were a lot of, concepts that I that I ended up telling the group to pass on because, because they do it because again expediency laziness yeah stupidity. yeah yeah absolutely so after all of that you ended up creating Blackhawk Partners yeah and that was just was that born out of necessity or was that born out of heart and passion or what was that born out of born out of uh, I started the first line of business of Blackhawk was I wanted to be in the old, look, I've always, I always was ahead of the game. I'll give you an example. In 1984, I went with Drexel selling and trading junk bonds when nobody was doing it. Right. The people started doing it Wall Street by the year 1990, and they changed the name from junk bonds to high yield bonds, the gentrification of junk bonds. This is when Drexel was out of business. Yeah. This is when I got out. I got big offers to go and run IL bond departments at Merrill Lynch and others. I said no. So I went and created a company to basically deleverage the balance sheet of companies we sold junk bonds with. Totally contrarian. Whereby mm -hmm. every, all these idiots went to go another junk bond. So I, I got in at the right time. I got out at the right time. In 1997, I went into that incubator, did a reverse merger of the public shell, took the stocks to the stratosphere, and got out in time when everybody got in in 2000. Always again, you know, made a lot of money because I came in around the right time, I got out at the right time. In 2001, I realized that I wanted to be in the old business, huge business. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the people in the old business, they have one of the three things. They either know the old business, they either know finance, or they either speak Arabic. I had all three. I'm fluent in Arabic. I know the old, I wanted to learn the old business inside out. And I was, I'm an expert on Wall Street. And I did that. Physical commodities trading business is the most profitable business in the world. 
just to give you to what extent, mm -hmm. the top 10 physical commodities trading house do around one and a half trillion dollars in revenues, top 10 only, Jeez. which dwarfs any industry, any sector. All day. These guys run the world, they feed the world, they move oil, they move commodities, they move everything. Yeah. I wanted to be in that business, which is how Blackhawk started. And Blackhawk, you know, military name, war, oil, yeah. etc. Yeah. Then I moved to the private equity business. Then I moved to the funding business. So this is what we do right now, right now all three. <clears throat> and, you know, it evolves. Uh, it's not that I decide to be in a business. I find the right people in that business and go do it. That goes back to Intel again. Just making sure you got the right people that have the experience that can give you the right oh, information. Yeah. I think a lot of people still miss that. And, and I'll, I'll put back on it again because business Intel has always been, has always been very important, even in marketing, you know, no matter what you do, if you don't know your market, you're going to throw out the wrong message. Yeah. My partners and I, we, we chuckle every once in a while because we watch the gurus put out all their stuff and it's, it's kind of a one size fits all for a lot of them. A few of them got the right idea. They make a lot of money. You know, they sell information and some coaching. I still see the only thing I ever see coming out of that is just dollar signs. I don't ever see anything more than they're just making money. What difference are they making? It sounds like at the level that you're at, you're making a difference. No, you're not just in, you're not just creating everything. income. Yeah, you're doing a lot I, more. I, I don't uh, look. I don't think about making money. I never thought about making money. I always thinking thinking about doing stuff, writing stuff that's very controversial, mm -hmm. and that nobody's talking about. They're talking about or wants to talk about because it's not really correct. Right. I don't want to, you know, rock the boat. I want to break the fucking boat and build a new one. That's my philosophy in everything I do. When I go into a room, I don't want to adapt and be nice and those oh, yadis are nice guy. I want to rock the room and shock them all and get out of it. Like, what was this? Right. I like to shock people in a good way. I'm not here to make them feel good. I'm here to make them think differently, have a different perspective, to empower them, not to control them, dominate them, or to empower them. Have you thought about it this way? Have you think about, uh, why don't you do it that way? No, the answer, write, you know the answer to write, that. Right controversial, right controversial. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is why we're on this planet. Yeah. What mark did you leave? What did you do? Make money? There are people who sell falafel on the street, they make money. You know, and they make good money. Yeah, they do. They have like 50 stands. That's not, that's not about making money. And then let me tell you about money. I mean, make no mistake about it. Money for me is not about acquiring things, flaunting it. Oh, I have a Lamborghini, I have a G G6, I have a, a 340 yard. No, 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 no. Money, and then for most people, this is what money is all about. Oh, I'm going to be able to show off, to do it. No, 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 no. Money is about freedom. Is to have enough money to tell anyone who's challenging you or who's controlling you, fuck you.
I don't need you. Your boss, your senator, your congressman, your whatever. You're in control of your life, your destiny. Let me tell you the difference between rich and wealthy. The wealthy, you go and tell your wife or your girlfriend, let's go and plan for an amazing trip in Bali. The wealthy is, let's go and plan in two weeks, three weeks, whatever. The wealthy is, let's drop everything, let's leave it an hour to Bali. That's freedom. Yeah. That's freedom. Yeah. Freedom to say whatever you want, whatever you want, to whoever you want, and to influence people in the right way, to shape their minds, to change the way they think, to empower them to become true, freedom-loving patriots, capitalists. That's what it is. It's all about freedom. We, I came to this country for freedom. People fight freedom every day. All these countries want to come in the United States for freedom. So what freedom? Invaluable. Yeah. Money is the tool to have enough money to say, fuck you, I'll do whatever I want. You don't like it? Show me. I have more money than God. I can bury you with it. Try me. Try to sue me. So this is it. This is Ayn Rand. I follow Ayn Rand. Individualism. Yep. Objectivism. There's nothing wrong in it. Capitalism is good. It's not greed. Capitalism is good. It forms lots of charities, lots of jobs, lots of everything. I think a lot of people you have a misunderstanding. You don't, pull down the you don't pull down the capitalists to your stupid, pathetic standard because you're jealous of them. Try to emulate them and rise to their level. Then saying, oh, it's not fair. Well, life is not fair. Moron, get used to it. And this equality shit, we're not born equal, we don't live equal, we don't die equal. There are always some people smarter than others, more gifted than others, more handsome than others, more sophisticated than others. That's the world. We can't all be equal. No, we can't. We can't all live in, uh, in Beverly Hills or Fifth Avenue, drive a Rolls Royce on a private plane. There's a limited number. We can't all lead a life this way. I'm not jealous of Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. On the contrary, why be jealous? Why do I need to screw them just to be feel better? Because it's fair? Yo, start working hard, smart, gather the intel, surround yourself with the right people, and become one. Maybe not that level, but a respectable one. Where you can respect yourself, your family, where your family will be proud of you. All this entitlement bullshit, I'm sick and tired of it. Oh, I'm entitled to do that. Let me tell you. Another thing, when I back people in ventures, mm -hmm. if I had to back somebody who went to, I don't know, an Ivy League college and worked like 15 years in corporate America, who thinks he's God's gift to earth and who thinks he's entitled to a salary of half a million dollars just for being there, just by showing me his face, versus somebody who went bankrupt three times, I would always back the one that went bankrupt three times and crush the other one. Why? Because the one who went bankrupt three times have learned his lesson, has been humbled, 
You only learn from your failures. You don't learn from your successes. Has been humbled. He's hungry. He's in his 50s or 60s. This is the last round for him. Yeah. He either makes it or he's finished. So he has a burning desire to succeed. And by the way, all these entrepreneurs in their 20s, they know shit. I would rather much more prefer backing somebody in his 50s or 60s who has gone through life, who has taken all the shit, and who's going to build something than a young, obnoxious Stanford graduate who thinks he knows it all and he knows shit. Because he comes from a family, they always fed him that he's so special, he's so different. So he started believing in himself that he's so special, he's so different. Whereby there is nothing special in these morons. These millennial morons who think they know it all and they're so smart and better than the previous generation, etc. They're a bunch of absolute idiots for the vast majority. And I know them and I met a lot of them, etc. And I hope they wake up one day before it's too late. And they've been hijacked, a lot of them, by this social, liberal, stupid agenda. It's like the government is going to help them. Hello? The government, nobody's going to help you. Nobody gives a damn, a rat's ass about if you live or die, if you want the honest truth. Nobody. Everybody is for himself. So you better take care of yourself. Because nobody's going to take care of you. And when you take care of yourself, then you can go have, have any ideology you want. You have to take care of yourself. You have to bootstrap yourself. Nobody's going to give you shit. Nobody's going to give you money. Nobody's going to give you power. You go and grab it by force, by sheer force, diplomacy, seduction, brute force, whatever it takes, as long as you do it legally. As long as you do it legally, your style is fine. Everybody has a different style. Yeah. What different, different what different style? I, I know what my style is. I'm a warrior. I'm an absolute, uh, for example, I'll tell you on my last um, birthday, uh -huh. I had like around like 50 friends gathered. Mm -hmm. So one of them told me, you know what, let's play a game here. Let's so let's see, give one word <clears throat> a connotation of who Ziad is. One word. Ziad is this or that. You know what I mean? It's a fun game. Sure. So uh, the consensus, Ziad, uh, one of them said, if I lived in the Roman age, Roman empire, Ziad would be a gladiator. Not an emperor, not a prince. He's not diplomatic enough for that. He, he chops your head. He's a gladiator. He's a warrior. And you know what? When the majority of my friends say this, I must be that, even though I may deny it, but this is how I must be. So yeah. I this game, invite friends, ask them, define Mike in one word. What would they, one word only, what would they say? If you really want to know what people think of you and who you really are. But you have to know that. You have to know your identity. Sure. People don't want to face that. People don't want to talk about these personal things. You know, talk about stupidity, what they ate yesterday, how the weather is. Who gives a shit? Like all the social media, they show you what they ate or what they dressed, etc. For me, social media is to gather intelligence about this, this, and that. It's not, again, yep. it's not about what you ate and what you dressed and where you went and what car you have. I don't give a rat's ass about all this stuff. It doesn't impress me. Nobody impresses me. And you know what? Talking about impressing, 
Okay, I'm going to tell you something very important. I'm sharing here. I don't care, but this is this is these gems are priceless for future generations. Sure, sure. You know, be very arrogant with the mighty and the powerful, and be very nice with everybody else. Most of the people are the reverse. They suck up to the mighty and the powerful because they think, oh, I don't want to upset them because they won't do business with me. Oh, I don't want to upset them because they're too important. So, Mr., Sir, Your Highness, Doctor, uh, you know, even the scientists who think they're gods, all this stuff. This is all bullshit. Bullshit. That's wrong. You know why? I know how the mighty, the powerful, the wealthy think. I'm one of them. I know how they think. And I resent that. And this is why I'm fighting. I'm going, I'm a populist. I'm going to empower people. I resent them. I resent this eliteness shit. You know, I resent it. These people, they respect people. And you remember how I help people? People mm -hmm. come from. Mm -hmm. They respect people who stand up to them. Yeah. Why to stand up to them rather than be their doormat? You know, if you're a doormat, you're like another number. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They're bored with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Next. But when you stand up to them, you really make a difference. It's better for the world because you control them now. Not you control them, but you you go into a, the right narrative with them. Yeah. You have to, this is how you this is how you bridge the gap of inequality by challenging people like that, not by taking their money and saying, them, okay, go down to my standard. Like all these socialist crap. These are subtleties you have to understand. And finance, you know what? It's not about just knowing finance. No, it's knowing people. It's psychology. I clinched some of the biggest deals because I knew how to approach those people in power. I know how to play the right cards, the right games. And this stuff, they don't teach you this stuff anywhere. They would not never that. teach this. That, that, yeah, they would they never teach that. Yeah. Nothing. Because you know why? Because all these people basically, look, they, they want you to conform. Yeah. Today more than ever. You're born, you have to conform and listen to what your parents say. You go to school, you have to conform to the principal. You go to college, you have to conform because, oh my God, my peers are going to see like this. If I drive this car... What are they going to think about me? They're going to feel bad. You, you, you go get married, you have to conform to your spouse. Now you're 50 or 6 years old, 60 years old, you have conformed all your life, and your life is over. And you're not going to, you know, now you sometimes you're like, oh, now I have to start doing something. No, look at the people who really rebelled. Zuckerberg, Gates, Jobs, etc. Screw Harvard. What's Harvard? Bishop Sid degree? from yeah. a liberal college, I'm yeah. going to go and create my own empire. Challengers. Challengers. This, this whole now vaccine, everything, everything is about conformity. You have to wear your mask at all times. You have to stay at home. You have to conform. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Of course, you have to stay safe, etc., obviously. But there are limits. They're, you know what? You give them a hand, they want an arm. You give them an arm, they want a leg. You want The more you give the more they're going to take because they see they, they, can, they, can get, they can get away with it. And the same thing in business. 
the more you give, you have to give, but different thing. You have to be, you have to be very subtle with this thing. So reading books like Economic Warfare, Art of War, I mean, all these books yeah. are very important because at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about, oh, I invested in this, I invested in that. Unless you're investing in Bitcoin and on gold and the price goes up and you're trading well, fine. But it's all transactional business. I'm talking I was going to say, does that, that, still, that still depends on the human condition, doesn't it? I mean, even gold price, it, it depends on who's buying and who's not buying and why. And all. Yep. It's still human. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? This, is, this factor is so important. And a lot of people don't pay attention to that. Or think, you know, they're not important. It's not important. No, it's extremely important. Everything is done and shaped and conditioned by people. Everybody has an agenda. And once you understand the agenda, and people don't realize this, once you understand the agenda, you understand everything. It all follows. I, I, learned, so, some, I learned something with what you were saying some time ago that the people that are in higher positions like C-level, you know, they have a tendency to carry themselves a little heavy. And <clears throat> for years, I didn't understand what you just explained when it comes to, they're not really the boss. No. The bosses are the shareholders. Yep. And the shareholders are the ones that challenge them. And that's why they respect the shareholders. And when somebody who's a subordinate or whatever you want to call it comes to them and does that, you know, says, well, how can I do this? What can I do? Blah, blah, blah. And they, they want to appease. The C-levels end up feeling like, okay, you're not my equal. Versus somebody like yourself or myself will walk in and go, dude, come on. Here's the reality. This is what's going wrong. You know it. I know it. How are you going to fix it? You don't know, I have a solution. Or have you tried this? Like a lot of my guests, I, I, I share things in the post, post podcast just to give them some stuff here. Use this tool, it's, it's, it's great to use, it's free. You might as well use it while you can. I don't care that I get watermarks on some of the stuff that I use to promote. It's free, who gives a shit? You know, use it for now. You know, if we ever get into an enterprise, hell, I might even end up leveraging enough to buy one one day. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it comes back to, how are you serving and who are you serving? Are you trying to serve somebody that's above you or are you challenging them to be better? There's nothing wrong with challenging people if you're doing it with compassion, empathy, like you said, and realizing that the human condition is what it is. We're all human. We're, and, and the thing I like you, you talked about, no, not, not a single person's equal. You're right. The reason that I have partners is because they have things that they're completely smarter than I am on. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't dream of trying to trying to take it on. I depend on them for the intel on how it works and why it works. You know, it's it's not that I need this to know it. Yeah, this is how the world works. We can't. You know what? Look, if two people agree on everything, one of them is not needed. Yeah. <laughs> what, what the hell do I need I've never thought for? of that. That is absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Mike. Why do I need you for that? Agree with you with everything? <clears throat> you you irrelevant. So, and this is it. They all want to be, agree on everything, be equal. Doesn't work. Yeah. And they fight and kill because of that. It's ridiculous. Having an appealing... It's not going to change from now till 3,000 years. You know? That's true. They're not. There's <clears throat> always going to be rebels. There's always going to be, you cannot control everybody. Maybe this is the dream of a new world order. It's not going to happen. There are always some killer rebels out there who are going to disrupt everything. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, the biggest rebel of all, Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was. He yes, was he was. Biggest rebel of all. Challenged the Roman Empire, challenged the Jewish establishment. 2,000 years ago. And he did so, it without he did it without throwing a single punch. Without an army, without yep, nothing. Without anything. Just his, just his words and his mind. Exactly. So, yep. I mean, that's power. Yeah, that's yeah it is. That's real power. So people, when I talk about power, it's not by conducting wars and killing and blowing and controlling. Sometimes it can be very subtle, you know, iron fist in a velvet glove. Yeah, yeah. And you can do a lot. I mean, all this stuff these kids have to learn, these entrepreneurs have to learn. Yeah, they it's. They don't know nothing about that. They, nothing. they're not gonna. They're not gonna. For for the most part, a lot of them will not get it until they've lived a little bit. And and you yeah. and I both had that same experience when we were in our twenties. We didn't know Jack. I mean, you know. It, it, Very and, true. Very true. And at our age, we're watching them, and we're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just dump into you everything that I know. So you don't do the same things that I did when I was young, or you did the right things that I didn't do, or do the right things that I did. And it's 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 hard to watch. So guys like us, we, we sit here and not only do we shake our heads, but we're just like, oh my gosh, please just listen. Just please listen. Here's what we're trying to stop you from. Here's what we're trying to help you to. Yeah. Um, the road signs are there and you're not looking at them. You know, it's just, just like there's, there's blatant banners hanging out over their heads and they're, they're like willfully doing this in some cases. And it's not all of them. Um, I actually know a couple of millennials that are hard workers. They, they don't think TGIF. They are definitely over the weekend, they'll bust their butts, you know, day in, day out. In fact, one of my friends uh, just recently went out on a rant on social media, literally ranting about his generation. He says, I have tried to share, to share business with so many of you, and you guys are lazy. You guys all think this stuff comes overnight. Y'all think that this happens in a week, in a month. Instant in a, gratification. Instant yeah. Gratification. Yeah. He, he, used that, he used that term. He says, everybody's after instant gratification. He goes, I'm sorry that we got saddled with this, but damn it, you guys are living it. And I hate to say it. I did too when I was young. I was, I was a musician. You know, I was like, if I can't go play music, I was bummed. You know, when I finally started learning business, it was like, holy shit, this takes some real work. Yep. This takes some real commitment. So it's, it's, yeah, so it's the amount of, the amount of wisdom you've dumped on this morning. I can't imagine that anybody wouldn't just be sitting there like you like it in shock, but hopefully challenged to think a little differently. <laughs> I want to talk about your book because we're getting close to the end of time here. Yeah. You have two. So yeah. the first one that you wrote and you released was called Economic Warfare, correct? Secrets yeah. of Wealth Creation. Okay. Talk, talk to us about that book. What does that, what does that book entail? That book you have. That book basically tells you how to make money in good times or in bad times. That. This, was written, this was written during the Obama administration. The, the subtitle of the book is uh, Secrets of Wealth Creation in the Age of Welfare Politics. Yep. That was the, the subtitle. So how to make money in good times or bad times, how to position yourself. That's Awesome. It. Awesome. It, was, it, it was a very broad picture, microeconomics, geopolitics, everything. This book I just finished uh, is called Startup Saboteurs, How Ego, Incompetence, and Small Thinking Prevent Wealth Creation. Also about wealth creation. Sure, sure. But here we go into the minute details. Unlike the other book, Macro, this is Micro. 
how you build the company, how you scale it, how you negotiate a deal, how you exit a deal, how you really truly make wealth, how do you uh, uh, pitch your deal with venture capitalists, with money people, what do money people think of venture capitalists, how you, how you win, you know, it's, it's, it's very detailed from 30 years experience in the business. Mm-hmm. I talk about specific companies I invested in, in some instances how I, I made a killing, in other instances how I lost my shirt. Why did I make a killing? Why did I lose my shirt? What's the path to take? What did I learn from that? So it's very detailed. It, um, it's not about coaching and... Right. No, no, no. It's, 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 the, it's the end a, on it. From a 30-year Wall Street dealmaker in the trenches and from my experiences. It's entertaining. I don't talk about numbers and charts. It's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very empowering. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a guy, a friend of mine, I, I'll tell you the story. So when Please. I was doing the book and I finished it, and I finished it, I asked for some reviews. So I got really great reviews. But there's a specific guy, you know, he's a big, big guy on Wall Street. I told him, you know, he's a friend of mine also. I've known him for 20 years. And I told him, you know, I would appreciate the review. He told me, okay, let me see. But then I realized, you know, he's a wussy. Listen, this is what happened. So I gave him the book on a Sunday. He came back to me on a Wednesday. I told him, John, uh, what do you think? told me, uh, he told me, what, are you done already? He told me, I read it twice already. I, I couldn't stop. Listen. So I told him, so what do you think? You like it? He told me, Ziad, literally, he told me, this is a nuclear bomb. But I cannot write you a review. He said, why? If I write a review, nobody will ever hire me because what you say there is pretty dangerous. He told me, it's like, it's like you're breaking the code of silence of the mafia. You know what? They don't like that. Yeah. You're, you're, you're basically telling people how to read VCs, how Silicon Valley works, how all the kind of stuff. I, another guy told me, it's like 200 episodes of Shark Tank in your book. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm telling you, like, this is what they told me. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 you know it's pretty earth-shattering. It's pretty, it's that, not like, that, that has oh, got to be know, one of the highest, okay. that's got to be one of the highest compliments, though, you've ever gotten. Because when somebody yeah, can say so something like fine. that. It's okay if you give me a review. At <laughs> least I know, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not going to get offended. On the contrary. No, that's, that's huge. My oh, goodness. When somebody... Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> because we both you play there, I've played there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I still don't talk about to this day, but it's only because I'm no longer involved and I don't care. I care more about marketing these days, but it's true. There is a code of silence out there. I know in the world of finance, it's it's been described as probably one of the not so greatest places yeah, yeah, to no, play. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know what? This cannot go unnoticed. Yeah. I need people to know. Yeah. I need people to know. This is, this is about the hard part, the compassion part, yeah. and, the fuck you, and the fuck you money part. You know yeah. what? I'm going to write it. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to write it. You know, this is how it is. This has to be transmitted to future generations. Yeah, they got For a better world. For a they better world. Yeah. yeah. If you get offended, I don't care. I really don't care if Mr. VC, private equity guy, get offended. I mean, I am pretty much dismantling Silicon Valley. Oh, good. <laughs> dismantling them. I, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a 
it's a long-term term thing with me that Silicon Valley has had unprecedented control over yep. VC funding that honestly, when I've talked to some of them, yep. they, don't, they don't deserve it. I'm sorry. No, listen, I mean, Mike, Mike you, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. I talk about the unicorn mentality. I talk about, all, I talk about very controversial yeah. subjects that people, if they write about this, they're fired sure. from their jobs. Sure. They're fired. Oh, absolutely. Can't write about this. It's sacred. Even as a partner, they get they get thrashed and, and kicked out. I I've, I know that that's that's what would happen. It's it's unfortunate. I, I don't I, I, I don't care, and I call names. I name their names. The specific VCs who thought they were so smart, and I may name what kind of companies they backed and how they were conned. All of them. I name their names. In other words, you know what? All this cult. You know what? I hate the cult of the personality. All these people who build their names like they are. You know what? Nobody can touch them. No, you know what? I'm, it's not, I'm not going to touch you. I'm going to break you. I'm going to break you and basically remove this mystique because you're a human being and I want people to understand. This is this part of me, the 1% who's a populist. Yeah. wants to empower people to become, to lift them up, not control them, clip their wings and all that crap. In the name of democracy, in the name of what? In the name, this stop fooling us, whether in politics or in business or anywhere. And I told the Silicon Valley thing, a financial, there was a financial swamp out there. The same thing, Washington has a political swamp. There is a financial swamp. Example, 30 million private businesses in the United States. I yeah. know the fact yeah. numbers, it's all in the book. There's only a fraction 2%, 1% that get funded by VC and private equity. What does this mean? This means that none of the parties is doing their job. Neither the entrepreneurs in pitching the money, nor the VCs in, in providing the capital. This is unsustainable. It, yeah. it has to change. We have to bridge that gap and change. This is what this book talks about. How do you bridge that gap? How do you access that money? You know what? I learned something from Milken, Mike Milken, you know? Genius. He said, you know, they were, when we were dealing with Mike Rickett at that time, you know, we have a lot of egos, you know, dealing. T-Bone yeah, Rickett, yeah. Big egos. That rampantly so, ran back in those days. And Mike, and Mike really never cared about that. You know, sometimes it got us frustrated. I was much younger, all of us, you know, with their ego, their attitude, etc. Mike used to say, it doesn't matter. The key is to have them part with their money. If you have them part with their money, you have won. Yep. So how do you do it? That's exactly it. I will explain in the book. You know, all these entrepreneurs, etc. they get, you know what? Because you don't know how to talk to these VCs. You know, I tell you what the secret is. And, and this is what I reveal in the book. How you pitch it. The, the intonation, the voice, the body language, the pitch, the everything. Yep. So it's very detailed <laughs> book. It's not about to make you feel good. No, that's that. <laughs> so I, I, I do enjoy controversial books. I know I'm getting a copy. I may ask for an autographed copy. Yeah, and, and definitely, guys, that, that link will be in there. So you have one more thing that you've actually been promoting as of late. It's kind of the reason that I found you, and it happens to be a, a course that you just recently designed. Talk a little bit about that real quick, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, thank you. I called it the Z-Shard course. It's a four-hour video. It's like I'm sitting in front of you like this in your living room mm -hmm. and, and telling you exactly 
stuff that I don't talk about in the book because there are some things you cannot say them in a book. It's better to say them verbally. Sure, sure. You know, it's uh, it has six modules, so you can go and watch it all at once, or you can check one module, which is a different topic. Each module has a different topic. It's really very, very empowering. I'll give you an example. I'm a friend of mine who has an organization that's a nonprofit and he has a lot of kids out there and he wanted them to, he wanted to empower them. Sure. So let me go get this course, invite them to a theater, give them lollipops and popcorns and have them watch that course, which looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't talk about the course about PowerPoint, presentations, all this shit. It's mm-hmm. like a frank talk, like I'm sitting there, you know, in my suit, in, in the living room, talking to you, mm-hmm. telling you, this is, you want to live life, you want to make money, you want to be a big shark, this is what it takes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. Six different modules. He calls me the next day, he told me, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. What you're saying there and the impact you're having, you cannot imagine. So the guys who buy the course get a free copy of the book plus get access to a private social group I created on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook has 2 billion viewers, only for the course subscribers. So far, there is 50 people in that group, started like a couple of weeks ago, ranging in age from 26 to 67. Nice. All of them, the same mindset, the same culture, they want to make money. You build a fraternity. This is your tribe. Mm-hmm. This is your brain trust. This is your sounding board. This is your family. My goal is to take this group from 50 we have now to 1,000, and I will, by July 4, 2021. I made a big bet with one of my friends on that. 1,000. So, and my really goal, not just have 1,000 that group, all of them, of course, would have, would be uh, disciples in that course and students. I want every one of those 1,000 to be a millionaire. I want to create 1,000 millionaires in that private group through the different tools, courses, books, etc. that I am promoting. Mm-hmm. This is my goal. This is for me success. I consider I would have I will make it in America once I have created 1,000 millionaires in one group. There's nobody anywhere on social media who has a group of 1,000 millionaires. Nobody, it doesn't you're right. exist. You're right. It doesn't exist. This is my goal. Once you've created this, and I called it the Z-Shark Academy, mm-hmm. the Z-Shark Academy, labeled it, branding it, you know, this is it. Oh, I'm a graduate of the Z-Shark Academy, meaning that you made a million dollars, meaning you're part of that group. Even if it takes me Longer than July 4, and lose this bed. It's okay. This is my goal. I'm still young. We have time. You know, this is my goal. I think this is very, this is really what drives me, honestly, is that having made it, now it's time to give back to others, to give them the tools, to empower them, to create this new generation of people who think like this. And you know what? They're going to benefit a lot from being together in that course. Sure. You know, whether deals, whether deals, whether advice, whether 
mentoring, whether relationships, you know, you remember your mm-hmm. network is your net worth. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Because as an entrepreneur, you know that, and I know that, you cannot succeed on your own. I did not make it on my own. Right. I made it because there were a bunch of great people around me who helped me make it, and I helped them too, to two street. So, and this is the, the goal here, to create this culture to the Zishoy Academy. Online, powerful, inspiring, and that this is what the course, the master course, is all about, which leads to that and the book and its own one. Wonderful. So, they, how do they find that? Is there a, well, we'll have the link, but I mean, like, where do people find yeah, you? I mean, Blackhawkpartners.com? Yeah, I, I, you have the link. Yeah, I, I think I sent you uh, yesterday the links. Uh, uh, yes, actually, you did. So I'll I'll go ahead and use yeah, those. For the, put book, in. for the course, for the group, for everything is in my email essential. You can share. You can share the, the link. Yep, we'll definitely do that. We'll put that in the comments. I don't think we're done talking. I think we have a lot more to talk about, to share with the world, and to share with people to help them understand how this how this human condition is supposed to be working, rather than how it's being forced to work right now. I really you have enjoyed. Me happy. You know what makes me happy? What's when that? I came to this country 30 years ago, people couldn't even pronounce my name. Now they read my book. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. That That's is absolutely the best awesome. Revenge. The best revenge is obscene wealth and really obscene, a lot of information and to basically step up to the plate. Nobody told me to do that because this is what I wanted to do. Right. This is, this is what, so I knew this from the beginning. So, Whatever you can conceive, you can do. Stop putting blocks, stop putting obstacles in your mind. Oh, I can do this, oh, I'm this, oh, my color is that, oh, my religion is this. This is all crap. Remember, balls, brains, and a heart, and you're unstoppable. It's not your color and your education and your whatever, this is all crap. My friend, I, I really appreciate your time. We're going to wrap this up here because it's getting long. I'm sure both of us have other things we need to be working on. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story, sharing your wisdom, your insights. Um, we'll get all of that information. Guys, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe here on YouTube. healthy and live from both of us to all of you ciao for now thank you mike thank you thank you
For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.